Thank you so much for listening to Urbanistica podcast. I am Mustafa Sharif, an urban planner, and you're more than welcome to join my big journey of exploring the making of smarter and more livable cities. Please don't forget to follow Urbanistica on the different social media platforms. And also let's connect on LinkedIn. Big thanks to Urbanistica podcast partner, Avery. Avery is an international engineering and design company providing sustainable solutions in the fields of energy, industry, and infrastructure. Are you ready for a new episode? Let's go for it. Today we have a new story and we have a new storyteller. I have the pleasure to welcome you, Demetrio, to Urbanistica podcast. Hello and welcome. Hello and good morning. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Ready to start. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, a lot of uh, projects going on. Too many. Sometimes too many, <laughs> but not en- sometimes maybe not enough. <laughs> But you also like you you also passionate about what you do so maybe projects like just getting more and more and more exactly uh, that's an issue huh? <laughs> <laughs> so where are you now Demetrio? which city i'm in milan i yeah? even work here in milan yes italy nice so let's start with you your storyteller for this episode tell us about uh, what you work with uh, now and also tell us about what are you passionate about well i'm an architect by by background but i'm an architect who loves cities um mm. i love cities uh i think my field of work and change making is public space and probably what i'm more passionate about is public life people mm. in the public space mm. um and i'm now working as director for planning and urban planning and public space in an agency owned by the city of milan the agency mm. is called amat and is in charge of mobility, environment, and urban planning for the city. Awesome. And, and uh, Dimitri, you work uh, a lot uh, with different projects when it comes to, to public spaces and street design and so on. We're going to explore some of your, your uh, projects. Uh, let's start with the, with the tactical urbanism one, uh, because in uh, recent years you did a lot of uh, this kind of projects. Um, for for our listeners, uh, can you explain to us what is tactical urbanism? Tactical urbanism is basically a, a way to work and transform and change public space by um, with likely cheap interim interventions that can test solutions for for then uh, entering the public works, the typical public works uh, sphere. Basically, we uh, take a space, we reclaim public space from the street, particularly from mobility. Uh, we define the project, we, um, we define the perimeter of the pedestrian area with elements like pollards, like planters. And then we install, we paint the asphalt in order to show up uh, the spaces that have been reclaimed. And then we install basically furniture, playgrounds, uh, elements that can facilitate social life. So we are basically changing the typical approach from public work, kind of where everything costs a lot of money, millions of euros, 
It mm. takes years from the design to the implementations and a lot of frustration for people. And it's not reversible anymore to uh, a methodology that we steal from the guerrilla practices and we institutionalize that allow us to work and transform public space in months, weeks from the first design yeah. uh, to the implementation itself by spending thousands of euros and not millions and with a great uh, tool, which is reversibility, flexibility. The design that we implement can be transformed easily. Mm. So this is very good to test solutions before uh, implementing with more final. permanent design. Yeah, but like, uh, is it bottom-up or you as a city authority come with ideas? Well, basically, we, we, when we institutionalize the process, we institutionalize the process that is bottom-up. Mm. But at the beginning, we, we were not ready to do it. We had to learn how to do it. Uh, and we started top-down. Mm. So basically, we started top-down, but then we realized that uh, once we were ready to scale up, we could also uh, work with communities. We could also work with people and collaborative projects in order to have someone on our back pushing for change and, and not being alone. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, you have a, like a great example of a project. It's like a Piazza Aperta. Can you tell us more about it? Like from the beginning, the background, how did it start? Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's, it's becoming a long story. It was started in <laughs> 2018. Uh, we started because of a collaboration with uh, Bloomberg Associates. The city established a collaboration with Bloomberg Associates, and particularly we collaborated with Janet Sadiq Khan, who mm -hmm. was commissioner uh, for mobility in New York when Mayor Bloomberg was the mayor in the city. Yeah. And basically she teached us uh, the methodology that she used there. Um, maybe you heard about Times Square. She pedestrianized Times Square, one of the yeah. busiest uh, streets in the world uh, mm. from one day to another one with this methodology and basically we learned and we started saying okay let's find a couple of uh, pilot projects in the city where we can start and learn mm. how to mm. do it yeah it was a long process of understanding within the city uh, changing methodology uh, starting with a new approach mm. uh, but then once, once we were ready we implemented the first two designs in September 2018, and particularly the first was a great success. Uh, we were able to transform a parking lot into a plaza in a neighborhood, uh, really, in weeks. We how, 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 did you choose, how did you choose these uh, spaces, like, because of? In, in those cases, we were very top-down in choosing areas yeah. where we thought there could be a potential. Okay. So we picked these uh, parking lot that was called Piazza by yeah. name, but was just like was just a name. <laughs> uh, it was a 25 car parking place. Yeah. Uh, and we know that cars stay there 95% of their time, 97% of their time, uh, while people could enjoy much more of those space. And then yeah. the neighborhood was lacking uh, a public space uh, for social gatherings. So we bet on, the, on that place. Uh, we also bet on a place that was not the very central. So we wanted to create a center within the city, a new center in an yeah. idea of multi-centric city. Mm. And we test, and it worked quite well. Uh, we organized the party after the implementation, and, and we were surprised how many people came to the place, how mm. alive the place was. Uh, and a few weeks before, it was just like a parking lot. Mm. And 
that change was uh, a great um, push to go forward mm. and test more. So we continue testing uh, with other pilot projects. Uh, we did several in 2019, uh, but also we started receiving proposals from the cities, from the citizens, ah. from the communities asking, well, we saw what you did in Bergano, which is the name <laughs> of the first piazza. We would like to do, to, to do something similar in our, in our neighborhood. Yeah. Do you think it would be possible? So we're starting also working in a facilitating approach and a facilitating okay. mode. Mm. And until in 2019, late 2019, after testing uh, 10 or 12 projects, yeah. we said, okay, why don't we go for an open call? Why don't we ask communities where uh. they would like to collaborate with us? Why don't we start really working in a collaborative approach? Mm. Um, and we published this open call for three months. Mm -hmm. We were expecting 10, 15 projects, but then <laughs> they came with 65 proposals. Wow. From Milan? Uh, from Milan only, yeah. Wow. Uh, and where they were not proposals from single citizens. They were mm. a group of citizens, communities okay. organized, shop owners, um, advocates, people, I don't know, parents from schools, okay. and another kind of uh, NGOs, different kind of and basically we we realized there was a potential to scale up to a mm. proper program okay a program based on uh collaboration mm. a program based on uh people asking for change and yeah by doing those projects uh well actually in the meantime there was a pandemic <laughs> <laughs> so but the pandemic was a great push in order to do more uh, yeah. because people needed public space Mm. And we started with it, particularly with the projects that uh, communities were asking in front of schools. Okay. Uh, we realized that those demands were probably the more urgent ones. Mm. And I think in that moment, we realized the, that those spaces uh, as a great have a great potential for, for change. They can be demonstrator in communities mm. and in neighborhoods in order to show up a different yeah. way of using the, the public space and the streetscape. Yeah. So we implemented at the end something like 42 projects wow. uh, in 2000 in the in the next three years. Yeah, and and then we said, okay, well, what next step? Maybe now we should shift from program to policy. Mm. And so we um, we published another open call, yeah, uh, asking for collaborative projects in front of schools. Mm. And this is the last. Uh, open call that we published. The first was called Piazza Perte per ogni quartiere, for every neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, the last one was called Piazza Perte, uh, which is the name of the project for for every school. For scuola. every school. Yeah. Uh, uh, we got 87 proposals this time. Wow. <laughs> asking for pedestrianizing or changing public space or improving public space in front of 250 schools. Again, wow. just three months of. Uh, of, of 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 demand. So basically, yeah, yeah, it was a huge response. We but how, how would you, yeah, uh, how how do you deal with this? Like uh, the number of projects is increasing, and uh, how about the team? Yeah, there are two things. The first thing is that we started with no budget. But we just <laughs> we had no idea that we wanted to develop this project. It was just like okay. yeah, a group of guerrilla <laughs> practitioners <laughs> inside the city. <laughs> Uh, they wanted to test, but we had no budget, so we had to steal budget from the green department that was taking uh, care of the green, from the street department in order to 
uh, get uh, small works and yeah. related to the, to the traffic signs, etc. And we had no team. So basically, we didn't know who should design, who could design those. And okay. actually, these kind of projects were not in the, I mean, uh, the, 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 the typical city departments were not no. really uh, no, into of course that. Not. They, they didn't no. know the, the, the practice. They, did, they never tried. Yeah. So we started with uh, hiring a couple of interns okay. uh, from the from the from the from the university, mm-hmm. the recently graduated ones, and and we said, okay, maybe you can design this project. Um, okay. They had to learn everything about street design, how to yeah. how big is the street, how a radius should be, blah blah. But they had a great. Uh, Potential for innovation. They demonstrated a great potential for innovation. Okay. And after implementing the first pilots, we said, well, maybe this thing of having people in charge of designing public space in the city with a new approach is not that bad. Maybe we should scale up. And we created a team, a dedicated team that was born in Amat, in the agency I'm uh, I'm working for. Yeah. And we call it Officina Urbana. So basically, a laboratory for urban design, uh, for collaborative, particularly urban design within the city. And and the team was growing and growing through years because the demand for more projects yeah. is coming every day. So basically, we I think we found a hole, we found a space where we could fit, and now we are increasingly like a virus, basically we are increasingly <laughs> entering all the city processes wow. related to public space design, yeah, to yeah. planning, et cetera. And we are bringing a new approach yeah. uh, to, the, to the city. We wrote guidelines for public space. Mm-hmm. Uh, we work on the all, on evaluation, evaluation of projects, yeah. uh, also from the private side. So basically we are really working with this approach based on people, um, in any field uh, yeah. of the of the city everyday work. Mm. How how big is the, is the team? How the many team people? is now about twenty people. Wow! Uh, so yeah, many. It's, it's, a, it's a great uh, it's a great success. One of my yeah. proudest achievement. And yeah. they are all actually since the team is growing and people is getting older. Ninety five percent of them are under thirty five. <laughs> Wow! So it's a very young team. It's yeah, a very young yeah. team, and we're bringing fresh air in mm. in the city office and departments, which are not that, uh, which have, have constraints renewing themselves. Yeah. How uh, how about the budget? Did you manage to have like a specific one for after what you do? Or years after years, we got some specific budget for mm. uh, implementing those projects in front of schools. I was telling you about. And and also to make some of the projects, the interim designs, permanent. So okay. we're now fixing the budget thing. Basically, yeah. we established a very strong program within the city, and it's becoming every day more like a policy. And I think this, this thing of scaling up is very, very important, something that we learn, uh, which is possible and also very important to do. Yeah. Uh, Dimitrio, t- tell me more about like the details in the process when you decide a space, like how do you communicate with the community? How do you do the design? Like more details about the, the, the process if you take us to a space. As I said, we started as a top down, but then we, 
we shift to the bottom up. And when we yeah. started doing like that, basically we published this open call. Every could, everyone could respond, a single citizens yeah. or group of citizens. And we evaluate the proposals that we receive. Mm -hmm. The proposal can have a design or can be just a request for, yeah. for change. Um, once we have all of them, we evaluate them through three main factors. One is feasibility in order to understand if what people ask uh, yeah. is really possible to be implemented or not. Ambition, we wanted to implement particularly the more ambitious project uh, in order to show up, uh, yeah. to demonstrate uh, what kind of change we can achieve. And, and then we evaluate also the engagement, how many people participated in the request, how many people were participating in the proposal, uh, how big was the audience, uh, what kind of, con on, of of connection they generated and established? So then we pick priorities. We don't say no to anyone. We okay. start. We say, okay, these projects are the the first ones, uh, hmm. but all the other ones will be evaluated and also uh, we'll go through them through time. Hmm. Of course, we have a capacity and a limited capacity, no matter if the team is growing and everything. But uh, yeah. we cannot do 87 projects in a year. <laughs> Um, we're no magicians, uh, but <laughs> almost, but at the, at the same time, basically we, uh, we start dealing with them. We do mm. a site visit, yeah. uh, trying to get better, what kind of needs people have. Mm -hmm. And then we started a collaborative design process where yeah. we asked them what is their capacity to design, oh. uh, what, uh, they would like to do and what they would like to rely on us. Mm -hmm. uh, and then what kind of elements they would like to use. Mm -hmm. Maybe they prefer a certain kind of uh, furniture instead of other ones. Yeah. Um, in case of the schools, we deal also with the, with the school, with the institution itself, ah. which is a great actor yeah. to bring them on board. And then we rely on them uh, and we sign with them a collaboration pact, mm -hmm. uh, which is basically a formal act in order to establish the mutual responsibility and the framework for collaboration. So they can help us in implementation. Mm. Uh, basically, we, send, we, we paint the spaces with volunteers most of the times. Okay. Uh, they can help with the design. They can mm. do it their own themselves, or they can ask us to propose projects and then they choose. Mm. Um, and then we, they help us in taking care of the space, in activating the space, and in, and in also in monitoring. We are trying to establish also some collaboration about monitoring the, the results. Okay. Uh, but particularly the activation is what is key. Uh, yeah. when, when they activate the spaces, they generate it, they or really, we gen really generate a sense of ownership. Mm. And that sense of ownership brings care. Mm. And, and, and like activation in, in what term? Like, can you give us example? Is it like event? Is it like being there? Is it? Might be any sort of event. Might be informal event and more formal events. We are generating mm -hmm. easy process. We are facilitating processes in order to um, make easier for communities to organize events in public spaces. Yeah. Um, and there is anything. I mean, uh, the first very important thing is a big party, big opening party. <laughs> when, you, when you pedestrianize the space, there is a lot of people skeptical about it. Yeah. In the neighborhoods. Uh, maybe people will, will used to drive there or, or maybe they're skeptical about the potential for noise or whatever. Mm -hmm. 
And the best way to convince someone who's skeptical about something is bringing it to a party. Okay. Uh, <laughs> once you enjoy the party, maybe it will change it. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and this is actually not just for the opening. It has to be a continuous mm. approach. Yeah. Uh, we saw street market. We saw sport activities. Mm. Uh, we use very much ping pong tables, which is a great everyday activator. So yeah, there is yeah. tournaments. There is any sort of um, activity, dancing classrooms, dancing shows, uh, concerts. Yeah. Uh, I mean, everything that we can do in public space. Uh, yeah. We really aim to foster as much as possible public life. Exactly. Is it a lot of permission to get for this kind of project? Like, uh, because here in Sweden, it's like kind of headache to get all the permission from here, from there, to start doing something. Well, we are the country famous for bureaucracy. So, yes, <laughs> there, there are permissions, but we are working, the city is working on facilitating uh, very much the process for, for communities. This mm. signature of this collaborative, collaboration pact is a yeah. first facilitation. And then we have also another initiative uh, that is really targeting the idea that for small events, you don't need very much. Okay. So the process is called PEDS, mm -hmm. a small initiative for diffuse events in public space, something like that. Translation is not literal. <laughs> uh, but, um, and that's working. I mean, mm -hmm. we, we are showing up that the, the events are increasing and it's much easier uh, than before for communities. And I mean, those are very, very important uh, yeah, elements yeah. of the transformation. Yeah, and and how do, like how do you follow up? Do you collect data? Do you are you in touch with the people responsible for these spaces? Like, how do you have an overview about what is happening? Uh, we we get in touch. We 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 keep in touch with them. Um, every community has a series of people that are in charge of signing this collaboration pact. So our say our point of contacts, and in case of any trouble, uh, they highlight us. Um, and then we also collect data and, uh, we collect data about, we started at the beginning collecting data about traffic in order to show up in the first pilots that mm. nothing was happening, that no, the world was not collapsing because of a street. Um, then, but also we started collecting data about the use of public space. This is something that we are not that used to. I mean, uh, it's, uh, it's weird to say in 2024, but we know everything about cars, uh, about what they movement, what mm -hmm. they do, uh, how much they stay in a space, um, how long they drive, blah, blah, blah. And we don't know much about people. So we started True. targeting about really monitoring the use of public space by people. How much people mm -hmm. can stay on a bench? What mm -hmm. kind of benches are the favorite ones, yeah. the one on sunlight, the one in the shadow, depending mm. from the weather and from the days. Um, what about children? We started in, I mean, one of the first things that we always notice is that every time you pedestrianize the street and paint the space, children pop up immediately. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like incredible. It's the first mm. noise you <laughs> heard is in, is children screaming, say, wow, this space is free. I can run <laughs> and started running like crazy. And so we, we're trying to shift the focus on, on the data. And also we collected data with the help, for instance, of the shop owners about commerce, about uh, uh, economy, 
Mm. And we have projects where we realize that more than uh, the increase for the local uh, shop were more than 30% than before the transformations. Wow. That's good. Uh, we did survey uh, analyzing the majority of people, 70, 80% of the people living in the, pla- the piazza wanted to, that space to become permanent. Ah. We collected data about uh, the increase of uh, crossing by pedestrian and the decrease of traffic mm. around those spaces. So uh, data are very, very important to yeah. to show up mm-hmm. the results. Yeah. And and like, what is the differences between like a placemaking project and tactical urbanism? I don't think there is a, there is a difference. Tactical urbanism is more like a methodology mm-hmm. to achieve placemaking. Um, I mean, basically, we, are, we, we use the tactical urbanism because we want to foster the idea that every public space can be transformed, that mm. everything is public space, that every open space is public space, and that every public space can be transformed easily. That is not just a matter of investments, that is not a matter of huge complexities, uh, this is not a matter of traffic. But everything can be done. Um, and, and also we want to uh, stress the idea that by collaboration, uh, we can transform the, frust- the typical frustration of citizens mm-hmm. that they would like to. Uh, they ask for a change, but they cannot see the result into something no. different, into something mm-hmm. that they can participate in and be engaged in the in the change of the space in the transformation of the space mm-hmm. so by using tactical urbanism by institutionalizing this guerrilla practice we really brought communities to start collaborating not just with the city but one with each other one with each other so yeah, yeah basically i mean when 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 it's about design and the community has to try to establish a design of the space it started an incredible process of okay, but do we involve the school? Do we involve the children, or uh, or the parents? What about teenagers? And they start gathering and doing meetings, and and it's becoming really something that is stressing very much the commu- the sense of community around the space. Yeah. Yeah. So the process itself uh, helps then is making a place. Is, is helping the, the community to mm. uh, find an identity and to know each other. And, and this facilitates very much uh, the idea that you can then uh, relate those people, those communities to that space that we are creating. Yeah, it's like a, it's something to bring them together, to work together, exactly. to, to know it's each other. Yeah. And, and, and so fundamental because I mean, yeah, yeah. public space is great, but public space mm. with no people is yeah, not like, as great. And <laughs> so, ex, uh, ex. and that's what we are generating. We are generating communities even yeah. more than um, the public space. Public space is just a tool to generate mm. communities and sense of community in the in the neighborhoods. Mm. And what happened when the like when the community tells you, okay, we like this design, we are happy. Can we have it permanent? Do, what do you need to do? Well, we need to start the the incredibly slow public works process uh, in order to to make it permanent but i mean by testing solutions we accelerate in the process mm. because we know exactly what we want to do in the permanent design why when we start with a blank page mm. 
you have I mean, infinite solutions that you can uh, you can look for or you can test. While mm. by testing, we know already what are the strong aspects of the design that we propose, what are the weakest ones. If there are issues, we can solve them. So it's, it's easier. Mm. Uh, and the design process can start in the meantime. And, the, and people can not frustrate it about the fact that we can get years before implementing the permanent design, but they are continuously leaving that space. So it's in continuity. It's in general continuity. When we were able to, to go for permanent design, basically there was a space that was leaving and, and becoming very alive after the testing, mm. for a couple of years of testing, and then there was a construction site period that was just like a small pause in a long process. So people then continuously continue leaving the space as before. Yeah. Also because generally speaking, what we work is just like changing the surfaces, mm. planting the trees, but we are not transforming very much the space. No. If it's successful. So uh, basically we start the traditional process, but with much more knowledge mm. uh, concerning the typical processes. And so we are able to shorten a bit uh, the design process. And, uh, and we are much more aware of what we want to achieve what people would like to achieve. And we also already have a group of people to communicate with. Yeah. So we continue the collaborative process into the permanent design, which is not typical. Which is no, not no, typical. exactly. To have like a ambassadors or a network of people that you can talk with and know what's happening and they, they, exactly. they reach out to you or back. What, what, uh, what was like your biggest challenges in this kind of projects? Well, the biggest challenge for anyone working in a city or for a city is resistance to change. Uh, Definitely that, uh, that is everywhere. Mm. It was inside the city and the municipality when we started proposing the project. So when we started saying, okay, why don't we pedestrianize space by using paint and planters? <laughs> People in the city were laughing, saying, <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, we need, we need no budget, just a few elements. No, 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 this is not going to happen. Uh, uh, but then we never stop the first no and we continue asking and we continue proposing. We tried to convince people and we found a certain point, a series of people that champions, they were uh, ready to, to try. Yeah. They were curious to try and eager to try. And then we started and then we started facing this community's resistance when the first projects were top down. So basically we selected the place and we said, okay, yeah. we're going to pedestrianize this <laughs> square. People were not all in mm. favor. And when we did the first public meeting about Piazza Perte, I remember very well, we were not sure we would have left the room alive because people were uh, super angry about okay. taking out 25 car parks. <laughs> so angry about taking out 25 car parks that we left five. <laughs> <laughs> and general um we we realized that uh by proposing them to continue mm. meeting the month after and to say okay let's go let's 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 do this project let's try yeah. it yeah. is flexible we can go back if it doesn't work we will be back in a month and we will agree and we will hear if there will be any issue and we will eventually fix it or we are ready to go back if it mm. doesn't work Mm. That tool was uh, very important for two reasons. Mm. The first, resistance to change is reaction. I mean, if 
now I would say that you have to change your shoes because mm. I decided that you have to change the color of your shoes uh, because I like red shoes. Uh, you would say, no, why? Mm. What do you want from me? And this is exactly what happens with public space when you say, okay, the city decided that this parking lot is becoming a piazza and say, well, why? Mm. I used to park there or at least to look for a park in there. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that's a normal resistance. It's a mm. typical human uh, reaction. Mm. Uh, but once you tell them, let's try, you, you try those shoes, mm. you try that piazza, and you tell me, if it doesn't work, I'll give you back yeah. uh, your status quo. Basically, people get used to it. Mm -hmm. Maybe people get less skeptical about it. And last but not least, uh, reacting is very easy. Resisting is much more work. Mm. And you really resist for a long time just if you really have a reason to do that. Yeah. So um, by resisting to resistance, uh, I think we were able to go forward, to move forward, mm. to scale up. Uh, but if we would have just like stop at, yeah. the first, find, at the first resistance, that sometimes happens, probably I wouldn't be here telling you about this project. Mm. Mm. I mean, like, it, because it takes so much energy from you working in the city and so on, and you're fighting for this. You could also like just uh, sit uh, on your desktop and do nothing and just like continue as a, like a normal employee. Like what, why, why, how to say, why you're doing this extra mile, putting a lot of energy, feelings in this? Because I believe in change. And I believe in, uh, in the fact that we have to rebalance the use of the street uh, and to provide more public space to make a more livable city. For everyone. Mm -hmm. So this is like a, your, your passion and beliefs. It's my passion and belief. And I, yeah, I'm stressed about the fact that I uh, want to build a legacy uh, mm -hmm. from what I'm doing and to, uh, and to give and to mm -hmm. leave to people who will come and live in this city, a better city than the one I found. I think also this is a public servant role. Uh, which is not just, um, uh, say, try to uh, administrate a city yeah. in order to make it work, but also to improve it. Mm, mm, mm. And and you work also with other types of projects, not only like with the kind of tactical urbanism. You have this project M4. Uh, would you like to tell us more about it? Yeah, of course. It's once we created the design team, we started designing everything we could. And, <laughs> and we, we found a great good opportunity in the fact that the city was uh, constructing a new metro line, the so-called mm. M4. Yeah. Uh, despite being the M4 is the fifth metro line, but this is another story. <laughs> um, and, well, once we... When I first entered the process, it was 2018... Uh, we got projects that were already approved in 2014. Imagine how long is the process of building yeah. a metro line. And we found out that there was 50 construction sites in the city wow. that were leaving public space on the surface mm -hmm. uh, where the policy was, okay, let's, regen let's uh, rebuild what was already there. Mm. So just imagine in terms of administration versus change exactly making. yeah how, how stupid uh, could be 
to use a lot of money to destroy spaces and to rebuild them exactly as they were and not improving <laughs> them. No. Uh, so we said, well, we have a design team. Why don't we try to improve them now? Mm. Um, and we started working on, on, these, on these projects that are incredibly complex because there is a lot of layers coming from underground that generate uh, constraints overground. Uh, because you have to manage the construction side for a long period of times. But when we realized that basically the construction site themselves could be used as tactical urbanism projects. Okay. So basically, I don't know, for instance, a main square in the city was pedestrianized, was close to traffic mm. uh, by uh, because of the construction site. Mm. So and, and the original project was to reopen it to traffic and say, no, yeah. why? I mean, it's five years that it's now closed. Yeah. We traffic get used to it, and mm -hmm. people will get uh, will use that space. We will reclaim the space that was closed for so long. So we started rethinking, reshaping, reconceiving all these fifty areas in the city wow. for a couple of years. Wow! Uh, and we are now starting seeing the results. We are starting seeing huge spaces that uh, have been reclaimed. We're starting also mm. seeing where we were not that uh, ambitious and we would, would have loved to be more. Mm. But it was a great uh, lesson learned. Mm. First of all, that you, every project is an excuse to improve and change yeah. and get things better. This is, should be just like a typical approach for every city everywhere. It's just like optimization. Every time someone is constructing something, that's and an excuse to get better. Mm -hmm. And we have so much change to implement in the city that every excuse has to be used because we have not enough money, we have not enough energy. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and, and secondly, uh, we also learned that um, we can be more ambitious and particularly when you work with permanent design, okay. you have to be very ambitious because projects get old. And True. And, and the same thing that we learned through tactical urbanism. Mm -hmm. Testing is a good way to, uh, to understand and to be more radical because you can propose something and then saying, okay, I can go back. At the yeah. same time, when you have a construction site, such a huge construction site, you can be radical because people got used about the exactly. fact that those spaces are not able, are not used anymore for mm. traffic, for other things. So you can reclaim, you can get better, you can improve green. And, and particularly about implementation of nature, we realized that the sensibility from the 2019 to 2023 was increasing so much mm. that all the projects that we implemented uh, could have been better in, that, mm. in that, those terms. Because as I was saying, the change around us is so quick that we have to face uh, quick and quick methodologies like the tactical urbanism, but also long-term vision that can imagine what kind of trends we will have in the next yeah. future. Yeah. And, and, and while working on, on this kind of projects, uh, let's say, I would say like all of architects or planners and so on, let, I will call urban urbanists. What should we stop do? Because usually we, sh we say, we do this, we do that, let's go for this. But what should we stop doing? The most important thing we should stop doing is caring so much about cars. Uh, okay. Every time you propose a change, the main stress is, what about cars? 
Mm. Uh, what about traffic? What about parking lots? Uh, what about accessibility with cars? I mean, mm. this is just like a legacy from the previous century. We have to enter really the new one and changing the approach. We don't have mm. to take care about cars. We have to about traffic. We have to take care about people. We have to take care about nature. We have to take care about climate. We have to take care about adaptation. We have to take care about children. Mm. So every time we uh, put a car uh, over uh, a child, this is, mm. a, this is a failure. So we have to really have to shift the perspective. We have to change the perspective and the pyramid and to care more about people because people uh, build communities, because people leave public spaces. Cars are not creating, they're destroying communities. No, no. And and like while working on this, do you think a lot about like how to make a 15-minute city or not really focusing in this kind of approach? No, this is part of the approach, of course. Uh, Carlos yeah. Moreno's theory about the 15-minute cities uh, is a great theory to uh, to reinforce the idea of what we are doing by generating a multi-centric city. So yeah. not a city that relies on a single center, but where every neighbor has a center. Uh, where every neighbor has a plaza or has a public space, uh, mm. where you can access a playground easily uh, by just walking, when you should have all your services by walking and cycling in a very short period of time. Yeah. And to be honest, we already, in a city like Milan, an historic city like Milan, we already have the routes for the 15-minute mm. city in yeah, most yeah. of the neighborhoods. Mm. Uh, not everyone, not everywhere, sorry. And particularly, we have to keep that vibrancy we have to keep that um, opportunity uh, of building a city of proximity uh, by fostering and facilitating the accessibility for people walking and cycling mm -hmm. and how to say um, what what are you looking forward now in in 2024 any like uh, goals uh, projects that you're working on now <laughs> Uh, we have to implement uh, the school street projects, uh, so I'm very looking forward for uh, the next uh, project that is going to be implemented this year and next year. Mm. Uh, we have huge transformation in the pipeline, and then we are really looking forward to, to see people and children particularly reclaiming those spaces. Uh, and we are also working, started working on a, a strategy to implement uh, a playable city. So okay. we wanted to stress the idea that you can, you can, and you have, and you could play everywhere. Mm. So uh, not just in the green spaces, uh, not just in the playgrounds, but trying to bring the playing elements in the and the in the public space design everywhere in, the, in all the projects. Mm. So we have a dedicated budget that we can expand, we could spend to implement those. Uh, playing tools mm -hmm. uh, and we are starting now understanding what kind of strategy we want to to use and we want to really uh, start also uh, working on a policy about the fact that Milan should be a city for children, a city where you mm -hmm. can play, a city where a, ch a child can grow uh, in a healthy mm -hmm. and, 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 and engaging environment. So. Uh, this is probably uh, the next goal and next target we would like to, mm. to bring in the, yeah. in the everyday work and life of this city. It's going to be a big year, huh? 
Yeah, let's say a couple of years. So I, yeah, I have yeah. more time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, do you, because you and your team, you will have to say like a spider in the, in the net. You, you, you talk with this department, with that department. How is this experience of being like uh, the, this, this annoying team coming to us and telling us you need to change this and this? Did you feel like you're unwelcomed in the beginning uh, or, or how, how is it? Because I, I, I know I don't work in a, like this uh, authority or administration municipality, but I hear from my friends here, at least here in Sweden, when they try to come with some new idea, they are not really so welcome in the beginning. Uh, they are like disturbing the others. Honestly, I, uh, I'm not sure I have a great reputation uh, inside the city <laughs> <laughs> among colleagues. Uh, but uh, apart of joking, uh, they know I, 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 I can insist very much. They know that I, I'm stressing their work and everyday work. But I also realize that um, the the potential for change that, that, that we established together. So I think there is a skepticism. Yeah, because the uh, everyday administration is simpler than the than bringing change and and fighting mm. for change. And then also by uh, bringing other people and the team, I, we generated a collaborative uh, environment. So mm. uh, I, I tried myself opening doors. Some doors were ready to be open. Some others yeah. were very tough to be open, and some other doors are still closed. Um, not many, fortunately, mm. but still there are, and yeah, that's a big effort. And I think it's also my role opening that door. And then what I'm doing and what I'm trying doing is making other people entering. Mm. And the other people are much kinder than me, are much <laughs> uh, nicer than me. So that works very well as a strategy. That yeah, you, have, you do all the effort to open door and then let people enter and make a party. Mm. <laughs> party is important. Part is fundamental. Public space yeah. is all about party. <laughs> so you live as a change maker and making uh, impactful change in the city. And in this podcast, we explore like the first part about projects and what you do. Other part about about you as a change maker. So uh, tell me more. Like what shaped you to be in this uh, field? of making cities like take us back in time uh, where you grow up how was your childhood like yeah well um the the funny story is that um the house where i where my parents were living and still live is in a street where there is no sidewalks okay. so probably that was the big trauma <laughs> <laughs> i grew up in a city with no sidewalks no uh but in a, in a very small uh, village uh, next to Como, uh, mm. not far from Milan. It's, it's famous for the lake. I really recommend you to visit. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that that level of proximity of living in a neighborhood was great for my childhood. At the same time, uh, it's incredible if I think back in time how that street, is still with no sidewalks. I mean, mm. 39 years to not building a sidewalk in a, in a main street of a neighborhood. Uh, it's crazy. And, but then I, the level of proximity that was there, uh, I used to walk, I used to play, I used to run on those streets. 
mm. um, and then taking a bus and then uh, started driving as everyone. And, yeah. and, and then there was a great change when I, when I started studying university, I started commuting to Milan and then I moved to Barcelona. Mm. Um, because in Barcelona, I did an Erasmus exchange program and I started living in Gracia, in this neighborhood that is pedestrian heaven. Okay. I needed no car. <laughs> I needed no any stress about it. And no. it was just like amazing. Yeah. And I realized by studying architecture there how urban design can be transformative and that yeah. can change the, the people's life. Mm. That was just like uh, uh, the best place on earth for me at that time. Mm. Um, and then there was also another particular story about the fact that in the meantime, while I was there, I got a phone call one day um, uh, by my sister uh, yeah. and she was crying because uh, we got two uncles and our cousin 10 years old boy mm. uh, killed by a SUV SUV car uh, okay. in, a, in, a, in a collision and mm. while driving and that was just like okay mm. the two things together yeah. means that probably uh, I want to grow up I want to build my life in a better environment. Yeah. And I also want to transform mm. spaces in a way that these things cannot happen anymore. Mm. And so this sad story became probably a fire inside me in mm. order to shift a bit the approach from being an architect to being an urban design to care more about uh, walkable spaces and how we should build walkable city. So how much the impact of cars is negative on our life from yeah. many different aspects. Mm, mm. And so probably this story brought me here. Mm. And then I became a father a couple of years ago, two years yeah. and a half, of a fantastic uh, son that is changing again the perspective in my yeah. life. Yeah. And I started realizing that my height is not his height and his height mm. And these, his abilities and these uh, yeah. needs are much more different from mine, and that we are completely forgetting those yeah. uh, uh, by generating cities that are hostile to children sometimes. Mm. Mm. And I don't want to change this now. So no. I think it's a personal story that comes up together with a with a professional one. With a professional, yeah. T tell us, like. Um... What what did you study and and how did you start working like where and and so, like more about uh, this experience? I wanted to do architecture uh, because I, I I I I like the idea of being a kind of creative person. Yeah. Also, my mother was studying architecture and never finished, so probably mm -hmm. I wanted to finish her job. <laughs> um. um but then, yeah, the 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 academy I was uh, where, where where I was studying in Milan, it was actually very traditional, talking very much about architecture itself and not people and not public space and not how uh, and not focusing very much on who we should design for. So we yeah. were just like being learned. we're learning to design for the design, which is something mm. very very stupid, I think, and. 
Um, and by living in Barcelona I, uh, and experiencing the studying there, I think I changed much my perspective. Uh, meeting new ideas and new approaches. And then I started, when I graduated, I started working uh, in the urban design sphere. I started self-learning, mm. studying, reading Young Girl, uh, studying what Janet Sarikan was doing in New York. Mm. Um, I wrote uh, a report about the benefits of working in cities while I was working for a company, Arup. Okay. Uh, that allow me to do research mm. and all these things together um, brought me to a question also the personal stories I was telling you before brought me to a question okay why do I work <laughs> for urban design for private clients and yeah. not for the public interest mm. and once I realized that I got closer yeah. to the public sphere and mm. and if we have time i tell you how basically I I went to a public meeting. <laughs> One day I started following the mayor of the city of Milan. Okay. And because I wanted to get more involved. Yeah. And and say, okay, let's start following the social media of the <laughs> mayor. That might be a good a good way to a good, learn a good start. what's happening, good start. And two days after there was a public meeting about a huge pedestrianization that they were proposing in front of okay. the main castle of the city. Yeah. Okay, maybe I can go to that public meeting. I went to that public meeting and all the people were against that. Uh, most of the people <laughs> were against that. I said, well, I'm a professional. Yeah. I work on this field. I have knowledge and awareness. Maybe I should speak. Yeah. And <laughs> so I, I, at a certain point, I, I took the word and I started speaking and saying to all the people that were against the reason why uh, what they were doing and proposing was right. And yeah, yeah. why we should foster more that and that, blah, blah. Mm. And it was the first time I was speaking in public meeting to be honest I was even the first time I was attending a public meeting and after the <laughs> and after the this meeting the deputy mayor two deputy mayors came to me and say where do you come from I mean are how, you how old were you <laughs> uh, what are you doing here how what, how old were you like you know young you? <laughs> sorry were you young or how old like is it I was 28 29 stuff like okay that. yeah so they'd be like where <laughs> I think and a couple of years I think 29. And a couple of years after, uh, well, I established a connection with one of these deputy mayors. Yeah. Uh, it's called Pier Francesco Maran. And then a couple of years after, he's, he's been reelected and he asked me if I wanted to join uh, uh, his team, um, nice. his staff. And basically, we met four times before. So I don't know what kind <laughs> of <laughs> weird ideas came to his mind, why I would have been the, the right person in the right place. But yeah, like... <laughs> uh, that's how it started. And, yeah. And I cannot go back now. It's like it's hard to go back working not for the public interest. Mm -hmm. This is a sort of sickness. Every time yeah. you walk in a space, you think something can be changed, and you could be yeah. could have the power to change it mm -hmm. if you just uh, find the right way to to make it happen. To find the the, the, the good tool, or if you mm -hmm. uh, work in you know, a collaborative mode with with with, um, with other people. I mean, it's uh, it's an obsession now, and it's it's but it's a good obsession. Yeah, you you you're not getting annoyed because like working for the public or in the, in the municipality is like a slow the process. You're not getting because you want to do change. Like as how I understand you and see you, like you're a person like a you love speed change. You know, At, but you work in the municipality. <laughs> well, we are doing much more than what uh, I thought at the beginning. Yeah. To be honest, to be honest. Sometimes 
I realize how much we're doing, and sometimes I feel very much frustrated about mm. not doing enough. Mm. Uh, but the city, this city particularly, is slow, but not so slow. Could yeah. be slower. Uh, there is a lot of great people who are pushing for change and allowing and facilitating change from their role, and this is great. Yeah. Um, at the same time, uh, resistance is very strong. And mm. since resistance is very strong, resistance is slowing the processes more than bureaucracy sometimes. Yeah. Uh, so you need courage, you need ambition, mm. you need also to find a good situation for doing something. I mean, when we face the pandemic, after we were very much hit by the pandemic, one of the first cities globally after China. Yeah. And in the beginning, we were just lost. Okay, what we're doing now? We were designing public spaces, mm. uh, but now we cannot go in public space anymore. What we should do? And we said, okay. Does not think <laughs> that much about it and yeah. design as much as possible now because yeah. maybe this is a good moment. Mm. And in that moment, we, for instance, we scale up. We proposed another yeah. project, was Strada Aperte, Open Streets, in order to implement more bike lanes and to facilitate and change the use of the street. Streets were empty. So we, we were just like, okay, perfect situation to implement as much as possible. So we accelerated much. Yeah. What I'm saying and what I'm trying to say is that there are, while working in a city, there are flows. Mm. There are good moments and less yeah. good moments, uh, but you have any almost infinite potential for changing anything. No. Uh, and this feeling is just like helping going forward. And also sometimes uh, seeing in the eyes of my, uh, the people working with me that are younger than me, and sometimes they also have ra more radical ideas than me, mm -hmm. uh, seeing their satisfaction about having an impact. Yeah. Impact is the right word. I mean, having an impact is the reason why we do what we do as public servants, I think. Yeah. And, and this is the place where you can have more impact than anywhere else by working in our field, I think. Exactly, exactly. What, what do you want people to read about you, to hear about you, let's say, 100 years from now, in the, in the future? What, what do you want? Uh, um, I would love to think about um, people realize that I had a vision uh, that I been able to start an urban revolution or to contribute to an urban revolution and I would like um, I would love people to realize that these piazza, these open streets projects were just like uh, the first uh the starting point uh, to then really change in the city in a systemic way. Um, also, would love to be aware that uh, I generated a legacy uh, to build a better city for, for, for my child. And then being more ambitious, maybe I will leave a book at a certain point, people can read it, or I don't know, uh, they could say, ah, He's been a great mayor. <laughs> I don't think this is going to happen. Why not? No, why not? Dream, I mean, why not? Dream, dream big. <laughs> yeah, why not? I mean, like, uh, how to say, uh, years ago, you were in a meeting, you know, and like telling your opinion and following your passion and what you think is right. Now you're here. Uh, keep keep dreaming, no? Keep dreaming, yes. Uh, yeah, and then, yeah. But also realize that politics is everywhere. So you don't yeah. have to be mayor to have an impact. And yeah. you can... In, you can use your political role, even yeah. as a technical person, 
to to improve change in a much more silent and, <laughs> and exactly and way. I mean, yeah, not maybe that bad. Exactly. But dreams I, are dreams, so. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like this is important what you mentioned now. Like how to say not everyone will be the minister. No, you don't need to wait to be a minister to make a change. I do the change from what I can. You do from what you where you are. And then when we put these together, we we see like a big change. Uh, of course, uh, one person cannot do the entire change because it's a city, complex, and as you mentioned, it's like we don't have this infinity power. Yes, true. We don't have infinity power, and we and we really work have to work as a team. This is something I I learned very much. Certain time, yeah. I felt myself the pressure for change. Say, okay, I should change <laughs> more, but I'm not able to do it, and this was just like oppressing me. <laughs> uh, so when I realized, okay, I'm just part of a process <laughs> and not responsible for the whole process, I started feeling a bit better and uh. <laughs> and working with more enthusiasm as before. <laughs> and as a passionate person like you, which means like you love, you you live your life and work as part of your private life, or when you're out of office as well, think about cities. How how do you? Keep this boundary between work and private life. This is tough. Um, <laughs> I mean, I remember myself uh, walking in the streets and and starting chatting because I don't know something was wrong, something has to be fixed, and etc. etc. Et so the person said, "Okay, I'm not going to walk anymore <laughs> and if, it, if it's like that. This is too stressful." <laughs> uh, I think Elia, my son brought a lot of balance mm -hmm. uh, because uh, because it's so fun and engaging interacting with him is so great that uh, you're able you be, I became able to uh, to separate better the two worlds and the two spheres I was not that great before to be honest uh, public space uh, working for the city became an obsession a certain period so I was mm -hmm. really overwhelmed about the potential for change. Uh, and the impact I could have and I want to have. So, mm. uh, yeah, it's getting better. It's getting better. And, and actually, uh, my family is helping a lot. In, in yeah. Yeah. Do you have um, hobbies apart from uh, observing the city? Uh, well, um, I used to ride a bike. Uh, I yeah. love riding yeah. race bikes uh, within the city and not only. Uh, but now, since uh, Elia is a great fan of trains and trams, uh, we played a lot with trains and trams. And <laughs> uh, so this is becoming my my next hobby. No, I'm kidding. But it's, uh, yeah, the, 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 they're all related to mobility. So I don't know. Maybe this is again sickness. But how old is how old is he? My favorite hobby. Sorry. How old is he? It's two years and seven months now, I think. Ah, beautiful. Yeah. So uh, tell me, tell me more about like your daily routine uh, with the family, with the beautiful son. How, when do you wake up? When do you sleep? What do you do? Um, I don't like to start the day too early. Uh, <laughs> so this means that I'm always late. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, I started. Uh, bringing Elia to the nursery by walking. Okay. And the only thing is the nursery is not five minutes walk. It's 25 minutes walk from an wow. adult walking. So it's okay. a very yeah. long walk for him. Yeah. yeah. 
uh, and he started using his bike yeah. uh, without pedal. It's a balanced bike. And we go okay. every morning to the nursery by walking in the streets, in the sidewalks, nice. uh, crossing streets, and then at a certain point taking a bus. Yeah. And I'm realizing every day more that this time I take myself with him mm. for him to experience around him is the best moment of my day. Uh. Um, because we always hurry up. Yeah. Uh, we always try to find the fastest way to do everything. True. And sometimes we don't realize what we should focus on, which is mm. not being in a hurry, but experiencing things yeah. in, in a positive way. So uh, when we picked the nursery for various reasons, very far from home, yeah. I was stressed about but I cannot do that. Far, uh, yeah. I cannot walk 25 minutes or I cannot... Mm cover that distance every day. It would be too yeah. stressful. And then I realized yeah. that basically by taking out stress and putting that moment at the hurt of my day life, daily life, that was the best moment. Because actually, yeah. we, uh, I spent time with him. He learned a lot of things. Also, that cars shouldn't park on sidewalks, unfortunately. <laughs> but um, <laughs> we are really dealing with the everyday and the environment yeah. around yeah. And that's a great moment where we can talk a lot, mm. where we can look to the city, understanding things. Yeah. Uh, sometimes, I mean, even when we are parents, we think there's a common thing that you say, okay, when you are parents, you take a car because and you need you... a car for, for mm -hmm. to manage a kid. But that's not true. Uh, it's like, and I think also that I'm we are developing uh, great knowledge on him uh, by just being slow and try okay. to not fast too much, not run okay. too much on the processes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so this told, is... I just told you about my day morning. Uh, more exactly. So, th so this is a, like, <laughs> this is like the, how you start your day, more like relaxed and so on. And then uh, you drop him in the, in, the, in the kindergarten and then you go to work? I go to work. Uh, I have different offices uh, where I can work, depending mm -hmm. on the people I will meet or whatever. Um, so yes, I go to work. I love staying with my team when it's possible. Of course, they can do smart working and remote working, so not every yeah. day is the same. But mm. um, I think staying together is it's a great thing. And when you see all the twenty people together, yeah. it's, it's a great it's a great feeling. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, we work too many meetings. <laughs> uh, some side visits that help uh, and then around late afternoon uh, early evening we go I go back uh, like 5 or 6 I don't do uh, basically 6.30 6.30 and then okay. being home at 7 that's also why the morning routine is very important yeah. because then yeah. uh, the night routine is, is shorter <laughs> I like going to cinema sometimes oh that's I, nice huh? yeah. watching a I, lot of movies yeah also, Barbie, Barbie or Oppenheimer? Uh, my favorite movie in this moment was Perfect Days. I've been twice to watch Perfect Days by Wim Wenders. Twice? I'm a Japanese. Yeah, yeah. yeah just like, well, because the first time it was in Italian and I wanted to really hurt experience the Japanese. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm a huge fan of Japan and Tokyo particularly yeah. is probably my favorite city. And yeah. Have for you various been there? reasons. And, and, and that movie... The, yeah. I don't know if you watch it, but you should. The, I will. The the main character is basically uh, cleaning toilets, public toilets. But okay. the way the way he does it, you show 
all mm. the respect and the f- responsibility and the f- care that he mm. has for the public sphere, for the public realm. Yeah. And and this is something that probably I, I just loved, completely loved about uh, how we should take care about mm. what is common good, what is uh, the public realm in, in the everyday routine. Mm. And that's mm. probably why I love that movie that much. I really yeah. recommend it. Yeah, I, I think I will watch it because of you watched it twice. So it means there's something big <laughs> and a big message inside it. Yeah, also um, a very nice soundtrack. <laughs> if you choose to work uh, with another profession than making cities, what will you choose to do? Well, this is a good, uh, good question. Well, I would probably... I would like to focus more and understand more people's behavior. Mm. Uh, so I would, I would really love to understand better uh, from maybe an ethnographic perspective, uh, behavior of people in cities and not only. Mm. Um, I'd also would like to write. Um, honestly, I, I would love writing, being a writer. It's something that uh, I would love to do in my life at a certain point. I'm not sure I, I'm gonna I'm gonna do that, but the next one for sure. Yeah, is is there like an idea in your mind to write like a book about, maybe about your the projects you work with, or because you you mentioned you wrote like a, with your team more like policies or guidelines, but you want to write more like a, a book, right? I I'm not sure that the story I have to say, to tell is is that nice or relevant or, or interesting for people, but uh, I would like to try thinking about it and and maybe finding a good nice way to yeah. uh, explain my ideas and to uh, to help other people that are in the same role or maybe inspire people that are in the same role and similar roles or they would like to take this role yeah. uh, of what they can do and what the, that is that nothing is impossible that mm. uh, change is a matter of will uh, and determination and uh, and not only mm. needed but really sometimes easy to to do yeah. it's not really easy but i would like to but, yeah. explain how easy it could be yeah yeah and talking about people um, this is like more two philosophical questions before we move to the last section of this episode if you're in a room with the people you met with before, who is the one that you will look for and meet again when you enter this room? Well, there are, from a professional perspective, there are three persons that I just like. Um, they, were, they were key for me. Um, mm-hmm. One is Yangel. Uh, I met him in person. Uh, I did a, a master class at his office just before joining the city but wow. more than just like meeting him it was also uh the books and the vision that he had that i think shaped myself much more my myself professionally and my ideas mm. uh, much more than what i uh expected yeah uh then janet sadikan janet is uh the reason why we did what we did here in milan she's mm. a great uh, she was a great inspiration. She was a great support. She is uh, definitely a fundamental person that I met on my path. Yeah. Uh, and there would be no Piazza Aperte with, without her. 
and, and their team. And Pier Francesco Marano is the deputy mayor who yeah. I met at the first public meeting I was telling you before and that uh, trusted, yeah. uh, believed that could, I could be helpful for, for him and for the city to, uh, to work from the inside. So I, I, I really, I, it would be fundamental to meet this yeah. person again. Uh, and from a personal perspective of my son and, and my family, but <laughs> this is another story. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. And uh, if someone gives you like a, a box of everything you have lost, what is the first thing you will uh, look for and take from this box? It's more like objects. Uh, uh, well, I'm not sure my answer will be about objects, but um, okay. because the first thing I would like to look for and get back is the life of people that were killed in the street. Mm. This is something that I find unacceptable uh, that I experienced myself. Uh, and this is something that uh, mm. we should make everything possible to avoid happening uh, again. Mm. Um, so I don't know about objects. Um, so probably I, 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 won't, well, I won't answer to this question. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Nothing else in my mind at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so now we are we are in the in the last part and uh, three questions. First one is that you what is your message to yourself? If you look at yourself in the mirror, what do you tell yourself? Keep rolling. <laughs> um keep rolling, trying to do every day more and um try to avoid getting frustrated, try to keep the enthusiasm and and the next change will be the best. Mm. Keep rolling. And three takeaway messages to our listeners. Change is needed uh, because we we see every day that we need uh, to improve, to get better from many different perspectives. But change is also possible mm. and you have to believe and to do everything is in your um possibility in order to make it happen yeah and one thing while thinking about changing the environment the habits uh you should change you should think about future generation not yourself mm. uh we should really uh build a legacy for future generations uh and we have to think about them and not us not our everyday mm. need but the future needs yeah uh, because this is the only way to to keep rolling on this planet. <laughs> and the last question is that uh, you are going to ask it to our listeners. So what is your question to them? Well, since uh, Janessa Dikan says that if you can change the street, you can change the world, mm. uh, what is the street you would fight for uh, uh, tomorrow morning? Wow. Very how to say uh, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> very hands on question. <laughs> send send us the address of of the street. <laughs> and then start you. doing. Yeah start yeah. Doing it. yeah yeah of course not. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> exactly. Well, I'm I'm very happy that we finally managed to talk, and I always follow your your news, your projects, and you're doing great. One of the superheroes is changing our cities. So keep rolling and keep up the good work. Keep loving cities. Thank you. And thank you very much for this talk and for this uh, discussion. It was great.